We're going to take a moment and let's look at the book of Acts. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Acts chapter 4, verses 36 and 37. We're going to talk this morning a little bit about loving well. About loving well. Verse 36 says, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He sold a field he owned, brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. We're going to talk about encouragement this morning and the matters of encouragement and why it matters. Encouragement can be simple. It can be something very natural. And so we're going to take a few moments to talk about that today. Put your Bibles down. If you will lift your hands to help me pray the Lord will touch us this morning. God, we love you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy and your goodness towards us. God, you are wonderful. You are glorious. You are great and greatly to be praised. Jesus, touch our minds and our hearts to receive your word today. Help us, oh God, to implement what we hear in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. I uh, heard a story about a group of frogs that were hopping through the forest. And this one little frog falls into a pit. And all the other frogs gather around and they yell down to that little frog and they say, Oh, no, that's it. You're as good as dead. You're never going to get out of that pit. Look how far down you are. You're stuck down there forever, little frog. And that little frog, he just kept jumping and jumping and jumping. And he kept jumping and jumping. And his little friends kept saying, just give up. Stop. Stop jumping. Just give up. It's over. And he just kept jumping and jumping. And one day he jumped so hard. He jumped right up out of that pit. And all of his little friends said, didn't you hear us? We told you, you were going to die in there. You weren't going to get out of there. Didn't you hear what we were telling you? And that little frog said to his friends, he said, I'm so sorry. He said, I'm a little hard of hearing. I thought y'all were just cheering me on. He thought they were his cheerleading squad. We live in a culture... And in a time of discouraging words. If you don't believe me, just scroll through social media. Turn on the evening news. There's a lot of discouragement in our lives today. So many things are trying to discourage you and me. There's a lot of angry and hostile people today. And it just goes on and on. The negativity and the discouragement. It begins to wear on us. It begins to affect our mental health. It begins to affect the millennial generation, our young people, and it affects our elderly as well. But in the New Testament, there's a man that we meet, his name's Barnabas, and he was all about encouragement. So much so, it became his nickname, and it stuck. You see, his actual name was Joseph. His name wasn't Barnabas. It was Joseph. Barnabas was just a little nickname that his friends had given him. Can you imagine the conversation Barnabas had when he came home from hanging out with his friends? And he's like, hey, Barnabas, we'll pick you up tomorrow. Noon, grab lunch. And his mom says, who's Barnabas? Your name's Joseph. And he's like, no, mom, that's what my friends call me. For nine months, she's thinking, I carried you. I argued with your father what your name was going to be. He wanted John. I wanted Joseph. He says John. I said Joseph. I told him, you know how many people there are named John? He's like, she said, no, I want Joseph. So she gives him this name, Joseph. And it's not even a derivative of Joseph. Joe, Joey, Jojo, Seth, nothing. It's Barnabas, a totally different name based upon his character. His character of encouragement. Most of the time, when somebody gives you a nickname, it's kind of negative, right? It's not always on the positive. But Barnabas, he loved well and he encouraged others so much 
that they called him the son of encouragement. I remember being in high school and I was given a nickname and I was asked a lot of times about my religious beliefs. A lot of my friends had not seen someone that looked quite like me, had not seen someone dressed modestly their age or had had hair like I had or looked like what I did. And to say that I stood out in a crowd is somewhat of an understatement. But one day in high school, in my chemistry class, I had a guy give me a nickname. He nicknamed me Puns. It was short for Rapunzel. And it stuck. You see, Rapunzel is a fairy tale about a princess that was stuck in a tower that had impossibly long hair. And so I got a nickname to a nickname. Puns. I didn't even get a whole nickname. I got a nickname of a nickname. But every day I'd be walking down the halls and I'd hear, Hey, puns. What's up, puns? Puns, can I copy your notes? And it stuck. So much so when I had any kind of club or class and we had to get our little jerseys. That was my name on the back of my jersey, puns. But it wasn't mocking or belittling. It was just a nickname. But we see in Luke, the book of Acts, he highlights, Luke highlights Barnabas. This is where we first meet him. And we learn that he's this generous, compassionate man, this honorable man who was an encourager through and through. Reflecting on Barnabas, my husband and I often talk about how my father-in-law is like that. He has that same type of spirit. If you ever have a 30-second conversation with Bishop Myers. You can understand what we're talking about. It's very effortless for him, and it's, it's something that will leave you uplifted. There's been times when we haven't necessarily felt down about anything ourselves, but just spending a few minutes with Bishop Myers, and it's left us encouraged. So I believe, as the church this morning, that we can le- learn a few things from Barnabas on this Mother's Day. I think we can learn how we too can love well through the spirit of encouragement in our everyday lives. Amen? Paul compares us in Galatians to the mother of all. And the church is the mother of all, right? So if we're the church, we're the mother of all, and we know that mother's love is unconditional, So I would like for us to look at a few ways that we can too love well through the spirit of encouragement. We see here in Acts that first Barnabas loved well with his words. He loved well with his words. Recently we had general conference here in Orlando and we're walking around with some friends of ours and friend of mine, Melanie, she bumped into a friend of hers that she hadn't seen quite a while. And she was talking to them and she introduced me to this, these friends of hers. And she said some kind things in her introduction. And that afternoon I was, I was pondering on that, how that made me feel those kind words that I I knew my friendship with her. And I, I knew that we were good friends and I understood that, but to hear her verbally say those kind things about me, it encouraged me so much. I recalled how even as a child that my parents would love my sister and I well through our words, telling us God has a purpose for you. God has a plan for you. You can do anything you want. God will lead you and guide you. They were loving us well with these words, just as Barnabas did. When the violent Saul met Jesus on that road that day to Damascus, Christians at the time struggled in their understanding to how can this murderer become a fellow Christian? How can he now become one of us? And in fact, they were quite terrified of him. But we see in Acts chapter 9, verse 27, how Barnabas, our encourager, Barnabas, bridges that gap. He takes them and he brought him to the apostles. Barnabas brings Saul to them and he tells them. So he's using his words 
and he tells them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how Damascus in Damascus, he preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. Barnabas used his words to encourage. How did he know all of that about Saul? How did he know that? How did Barnabas know? He took time and he listened to Saul's story. He encouraged Saul. And because of that encouragement, he becomes a leader in that early church. But what if Barnabas had not been a son of encouragement? What if he had been a son of discouragement? What had happened that what would have happened to Paul? Saul, who becomes Paul, he might have failed to connect with those apostles that day. That word encouragement is so powerful. It means to give someone support or confidence or hope. That's our desire at Eastwind, amen? To be a church of encouragement, right? To support the suffering, to give hope to the hopeless, and to encourage the empty and the broken. We love well when we encourage with our words. Amen. Barnabas's encouragement and generosity of friendship It truly helped move Paul from the sidelines of Christianity and it put him into play. If it had not been for that, what would have happened? Barnabas, another thing that was amazing about Barnabas, it was he didn't care who got the glory. That's what a good friend is. They cheer each other on. Realize, my friend, that your words have power. Your words matter today. Your encouragement matters to your brothers and sisters. And as Christians, it's important that we use our words of encouragement to one another. Amen. Just as Christians and disciples of Jesus, we're doing just that. So don't be discouraged this morning. I encourage you. Your words matter. And every time you encourage each other, you're loving well. Every time you sit down to a cup of coffee with a friend or a neighbor and you say, you know what? God's got this. God's got his hand on you. That's encouragement. Every time that you agree with a mother that your child will come back to God, you're joining them in encouragement and you're loving each other well. Amen. Every time you teach a Bible study. You're encouraging one another and you're strengthening and encouraging the kingdom. Hallelujah. Two doctors wrote an article called the most dangerous word in the world. If you were to take a patient and they did a brain scan on them and they flashed the word no for less than one second, they noticed in these scans that there was this surge of dozens of stress-releasing hormones and neurotransmitters in the brain. These specialists said that these chemicals that interrupt your brain's normal function, they impair your logic, your reasoning, your communication, all just by seeing the word no for less than one second. How powerful is that? Now, these doctors also did another study And they did a study on the positive words. And they would flash words like peace, love, joy. And they saw how it began to alter the expression of genes. And it began to strengthen these areas in the frontal lobe. And it began to improve and increase the cognitive function of the brain. So what does all of this mean today? It means what you say what you hear and what you see matters. Amen. What you see and what you say, it matters. Barnabas cared about building up the kingdom of God and he cared about encouraging people. I want to encourage you today not to ever underestimate the power of your words. Every every Saul needs a Barnabas. Every Paul needs needs a Barnabas. Everyone needs an encourager and everyone needs to be an encourager. Amen. Amen. Acts 11, 
Stephen, this young minister in the gospel, he gets killed. And it seems like everyone is, they're just upset. It scatters the church. It's a disaster. And there's Antioch, these disciples gathered there, the Christians. Paul, he gets scattered. He goes back to his hometown in Tarsus. And then Barnabas, he comes and he finds Paul. And he says, Paul, come with me. Paul would have never been there for that great experience if Barnabas hadn't gone to him and encouraged him and said, come with me. We're seeing souls saved in Acts 11. We're seeing a mighty move of God happen in that early church. And Paul, he would have missed out if Barnabas had not come and gotten him. Nobody knew what was going on in Paul's mind. We don't know how discouraged he was. We don't know if he was settling down and applying to teach law at a law school. Nobody knows, but we know that they were separated. And Barnabas goes and he finds him. And they join together and they begin to teach Bible studies and they begin to win and and grow that church there. We fast forward to Acts chapter 13 and the Holy Ghost tells the church and they send Paul and Barnabas out on this missionary journey. And the two together begin to plant churches worldwide. In Acts chapter 14, we have an account of a man in Lystra and he's being healed. So amazing that these people begin to think that Barnabas and Paul are these Greek gods. They start calling them Zeus and Hermes and they think they're these chief messengers. There's few people in history that have been compared to or thought of as a chief God. This implies to them that Barnabas must have been a big man, a character man, right? They, they, they saw something in him and they saw this encouragement, this spirit of encouragement upon him. And these two men are going around and they're encouraging one another and they're strengthening and encouraging that early day church. In the early 1970s, after President Nixon resigned as the president of the United States, he was so disgraced and emotionally disturbed that he contemplated taking his own life. He and his wife were in a hospital room with the curtains closed. A nurse comes in and she says, Mr. President, may I open the curtains today? And he complies. She opens the curtains and when he does, when she does, he sees a plane flying back and forth. And he walks over to the window and he looks out and there's a banner attached to the back of that plane that says, God loves you, Mr. Nixon. When he saw that word of encouragement, he regained hope. He wanted to know who was the biblical encourager behind that sign. It was Ruth Graham, Billy Graham's wife. She had commissioned this pilot to keep flying that sign until Mr. Nixon had seen that word of encouragement. A biblical encourager reminds and affirms the discouraged. They, they remind them that God loves you and that there's life and that there's hope and that God can still use them. Barnabas could have been a powerful man building up his own following and his own kingdom, but he didn't do it. He loved well and he encouraged others. He had this gift of encouragement and he used it. The second thing we know about Barnabas is that he loved well with his wallet. Our first encounter with Barnabas is in Acts chapter 4. And he sells this field that he owns and he brings the money to the apostles and he places it at his feet. Here's a man who saw a need and he gave sacrificially. There was no needy people there in the early church because Occasionally landowners or homeowners would sell and they would share their proceeds and with the church and Barnabas, we see him doing just that. He loved so well that he was this generous giver 
It's hard to be an encourager and be greedy. It's hard to be an encourager and be selfish. It's hard to be an encourager and keep everything to yourself. It's not possible. You're either one or you're the other. This indicated his desire to love well and his faith in the people in the church. We see an unmistakable pattern that's in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And it's where God's people share their love and their resources to help the widows and the suffering and the hurting and the ill and the strangers in the land. I believe today that's one thing that makes you East Wind so special. That makes you so unique that you have a heart of a generous giver. Amen. You have a pastor that's a generous giver. You give so freely to go and you help propel this gospel around the world. You care for the hurting. You care for the hungry. And because of that, you are an encouragement to so many. You have no idea, Pastor and I, when we travel, get the opportunity to minister at other places. We are so blessed when we hear, thank God for Eastwind. Your church is such an encouragement to us, and that's because of you, because you are an encouragement to others. Acts 2, Luke offers an example worthy of replicating. He mentions how the fruitful devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, the breaking of bread and prayers. And this body of believers, they studied together. They, they, they had a common bond. They would share meals together. They would take communion. It was a generous, compassion relationship that they had. In addition, they were able to bear witness to the Lord's resurrection with great power. We get to know a little bit more in studying Barnabas that he was a Hellenistic Jew and that he was from Cyprus. We know he grew up outside of Judea and we believe that Greek was his first language. We also know he was a Levite, which means he was born a member of musicians and helpers that they were raised to serve in the temple. And like these Levites and the priests, they were supported by the Jews and what they brought to the temple. And we suspect that Barnabas originally went to Jerusalem to fulfill this family desire for him to grow up and to serve in the temple. It's quite possible, and I choose to believe, that he might have been one of those 3,000 souls converted on the day of Pentecost. But whenever it was that Barnabas received this transformation in his life, it totally impacted him in every way. His generosity was undoubtedly the source of encouragement for that early day church. And it became an example for the other members. As mentioned earlier in our scripture reference, Barnabas, he sold his land and he gave his proceeds. He gave it to the widows, to the orphans, someone maybe with a similar background that he had. And later in Luke, he contrasts Barnabas with his love and his compassion for those in need to Ananias and Sapphira, who also sold some land and publicly gave money to the church. But the striking difference that we see between these two stories is how Barnabas, he gave it to the kingdom and he walked away. And he did not worry about it. Where Ananias and Sapphira, they were pretending to give the total price. This tra tragic tale in Acts 5, please understand this is not a, a stewardship by fear story. But it was where two people, they wanted to look more religiously pious than anyone else and, and receiving this, this prophet. But the contrast I want to talk about is the sh between these two. Where Barnabas, he gave out of compassion, out of generosity that was born in faith in God. And that's the kind of giving that we want to be. Amen. Through Luke's writings and acts, he shows us that Barnabas's heart, how he trusted, how he gave generously, and he gave it through compassion to support his brothers and sisters. 
many things could be said of Barnabas, but God wants the record to show that he loved well through his possessions. Ladies and gentlemen, that's as practical as it can get. It's sacrificial giving. That's what Barnabas did. And he most strongly emphasized that expressing his love to others was through that. His genuine love, his genuine generosity, it indicates his gratefulness to God. And that is loving well in action. Amen. He became generous because he understood the generosity of God in salvation. He said, you know what? I owe my life to him. Everything I have is because of him. And you're giving when you give every time you give in the offering, you give to go, whatever it is, that is you encouraging and loving well. Amen. The third way that we talk about, we see that Barnabas loved well was in his walk. It was in his walk. We see that Barnabas was quick to be generous with his forgiveness. I think that's made me appreciate him even more. There's no one as quick to forgive as a mother. And if we're following the model of how the church is the mother, I want to be quick to forgive. Not just my family and my friends, but my brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen. According to a British survey, 40% of moms have received an unwanted Mother's Day gift. Ladies, don't raise your hands. But many were too, com- too polite to complain. And they said thank you with a loving, welcoming smile and open arms. But I have a list of some things that might have been the worst Mother's Day gift these moms have ever received. Are you interested? Number one on the list, deodorant. Number two, a fire extinguisher. Apparently they were not very good cooks. So they felt like she needed a fire extinguisher to put out the fire in the oven. Number three, cleaning supplies. Not good. If you buy your mother cleaning supplies. No. Number four, exercise equipment. That's a no. Number five, car parts. No, again. So if any of you got your mom these gifts, you've got time to go by Walgreens, pick her up a gift card, add it to your gift. She'll be fine. Moms love us no matter what. They're quick to forgive. When Barnabas and Paul were headed out to visit all the churches again, Barnabas says to Paul, hey, let's take Mark with us. And there's many thoughts on why Mark had separated himself from the evangelist team that day. Some vary in opinions. Nobody really knows what happened. We don't know if it was a difference of opinion between Mark and Paul. If Mark didn't agree with Paul or we don't know, or it could have been that Mark was just plain homesick and he wanted to go home to mom. We don't know. We don't know what the reason was, but for whatever reason, Paul is upset with Mark and he feels like Mark abandoned the team. Paul said, Mark, you let us down and I'm not going to take a quitter with me. Paul can be pretty blunt with his words and he was all done with Mark. He didn't, he didn't want Mark joining. And this exchange then leads to two friends, Barnabas and Paul, to go their separate ways. Barnabas says, okay, all right, Paul, I'll take Mark with me. Paul, he says, that's all right, I'll take Silas. We'll split up. So Luke, he follows Paul and Silas. 
And that's how the rest of the book of Acts is, where Luke is writing about Paul and Silas. And here, Mark and Barnabas go their separate ways. You see, it could have been the rest of the book of Acts about Paul and Barnabas. We could be hearing about Paul and Barnabas in the jail. We could be hearing about Paul and Barnabas on these journeys. But Barnabas refused to give up on his cousin. He loved so well that he was all about forgiving Mark. And so much so that God, oh, this is what I want to be. God trusted him. God trusted Barnabas with both Paul and Mark. He knew that Barnabas was such an encourager that he could trust him. He trusted him to encourage Paul those many years ago. And now Paul's going to go with Mark and he's going to encourage Mark. And Barnabas is staying with Mark. Barnabas, he sees the potential in both Paul and Mark. And this is something that we all need as encouragers. We need somebody that sees the potential in us and we need to look for the potential in others. I want to see the potential in others. I want to be a Barnabas today. I want to look and see what God has for each one of us. So when Paul has his conversation and he goes to Barnabas and Barnabas shows all this kindness from forgiveness and and encourages him. This is an act of mercy. He's showing mercy. And now this is a model. This is a model of forgiveness. And this becomes the conduit that the other disciples could follow, that they could see an example of how to love well, how to love well through encouragement, how to love well through forgiveness, how to love well through giving, how to love well. Amen. It couldn't have been easy for all those Christians back in the early days to see. They didn't quite trust Paul. They they weren't quite sure if this was, are you a spy? Is this fake? Are you for real? Are you really here? But Barnabas vouched for him. And here he is, Mr. Encourager. Mr. Forgiveness, stepping in. He forgives Paul. He forgives Mark. And he sees the potential in both of them. And he cheered them on. Some may think that Barnabas paid a price for going with Mark. Others think that he may have given up his place in history. But I believe that he protected Mark's spirit for God's kingdom through Barnabas's encouragement and the willingness of, of Barnabas to give Mark a second chance. It, it paved the way for Mark. Barnabas realized one failure doesn't mean you're a total failure. One mistake doesn't mean you're all done. And that's exactly what Barnabas did for Mark. Barnabas saw something in this young man and he became this worthy servant of Christ. Even Paul later acknowledges this in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11. As Paul is writing, he says, hey, get Mark. Bring him with you. He's helpful to me in the ministry. Here, Paul has a total change of heart. Why? Because Barnabas He stayed with him and protected Mark. This young man, Mark, who Paul did not want to give a second chance, ends up a faithful helper to Paul. All because of his encouragement and his generosity. Barnabas never wrote one word of the New Testament. But he was an encourager to Paul, the man who wrote nearly half of the New Testament. Barnabas never wrote one word, but he was an encourager to Mark. Mark, who chronologically wrote the first gospel into which Matthew and Luke significantly drew what they wrote 
in the books that bear their name. Here we see a man because of his encouragement, because of his encouragement behind the scenes. He never wrote one word, but was a critical factor to two men who wrote nearly two thirds of the New Testament. How powerful is that? In the biblical messengers of encouragement, amen, Ivan Hagorn writes, other than Jesus himself, no one comes any closer to reflecting the true spirit of the gospel in the entire New Testament as the man Barnabas. He was like Jesus in many ways. Although he may wrote, have written none of the New Testament either, but he was the man who inspired it. And although Barnabas wrote none, he was encourager of those who did. Who wants to be an encourager today? Amen. It doesn't, who knows what your words are going to do? Who knows what your giving will do? Who knows what your walk will do? You can be great for the kingdom of God by simply what you encourage someone else to do today. Barnabas made people feel big when they were feeling small. He made them feel hopeful when they felt like a total failure. He kept people going who otherwise might have just given up. To be an encourager is a great honor in God's book, for he cared more about the fame and success of others than his own. And the result was that most of his key friends were better known than he was. But all of us, the whole family of God, were richer because of it. Amen. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 27 says, Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due. When it is in your power to act, when you have the power to do good, when you have the power, when you have the opportunity to say something, to do something, don't withhold it. Act on it. Amen. About six to eight weeks ago, the Lord was dealing with me on this topic, on developing the spirit of encouragement within my own life. And I was reading this verse in, in Acts. I was reading the book of Acts and it was like this last two verses in this chapter just jumped out at me. And it was like, I couldn't see anything else, but these two verses. And I took that as a nudge (laughs) from the Holy ghost that I needed to study this and I needed to focus on this. And I began to see all this interesting things about Barnabas, where he took all these opportunities to encourage others and, and I asked God to develop that within my own heart and my own spirit because I want to be, that's what I want to be known for. I want to encourage someone today that you are amazing. God loves you and he loves you so well and that you can love others so well. And so I, I wanted to be more focused on others and, and seeing needs and situations. And so I wanted to sow that. And little did I know that a few short weeks later that I would begin to reap those words back. Words of love, love and support began to pour on me. I would wake up in the morning with a text from someone said, I was praying for you last night or an email from a sweet friend lifted me up in prayer. And I want to encourage you today Perhaps you too have been prompted at times to reach out to someone. You might not have thought of them for a while, but when you do, reach out and encourage them. That person will tell you about the situation that your encouragement found them in and how it lifted them up. At the time, it might seem impulsive and a little scary. And it might seem like, what do I have to offer? But you don't know. Have you ever considered that might be a prompting by the Holy Ghost? That might be the Lord prompting you. Could you in that moment be doing his bidding? You being his voice 
by you doing that, you're being his hands. By you giving that word of encouragement, you're his mouthpiece to someone that it's at their last rope of hope. They're all done. They don't know what else to do. And you reaching out saying, God loves you. I'm praying for you. We've got this. How much an encouragement that is today. It's an opportunity for us as the body of Christ to love well. Amen. God wants to care for his children in tangible ways. So why wouldn't he use us to comfort and encourage one another? To speak truth to someone that needs it. I love how he prompts us in our spirits on his behalf. We're reminded 32 times in the New Testament of things that we can do for one another. First Thessalonians chapter five, verse 11 says, therefore, encourage one another, build each other up just in, as in fact you are doing. Encourage each other. We can all use some encouragement. I don't know what you're going through today. I know that today can be in a very emotional day for some of us. I know Mother's Day can be a hard day. It can be a day of love. It can be a day of rejoicing. It can be a day of memories. It can be a day of longing. But I know one thing. There's someone that loves you. There's someone that cares for you. There's someone who died for you. There's someone that wants to meet you here today and wrap his loving arms around you and let you experience an unconditional love that you will never experience anything like it. Amen. When you encourage one another, it's like a cool breeze on a summer day. It revives and refreshes your spirit. Amen. It's like a cold drink. To a parched thirst. <laughs> Amen. It renews us. When you encourage, it gives strength. It helps you feel like you can overcome when you feel overwhelmed. When someone shares a word of encouragement with you, you feel something rise up within you. You feel like you can soar, right? You feel like you can soar above the problems rather than sink to the bottom of the pit. It helps you become a victor rather than a victim. Who wants to encourage someone today? Who wants to encourage someone that you can be a victor today? Hebrews chapter 3 verse 13 says, encourage one another daily as long as it's called today. By doing so, we're modeling God's heart, his heart of encouragement. I love this verse in Romans. Look at Romans chapter 15, verses 4 through 7 with me. This is so powerful. He says, for everything, Paul writing this, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement that they provide, that we might have hope. In these scriptures, you will find your encouragement. In these scriptures, you will find the hope, the direction, the leading, the strength that you need. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude, hallelujah, of mind toward each other, toward our brother and sister, so that with one mind and one voice, when we encourage each other, when we give each other encouragement, we come together in one mind and one voice. Why? So that we together may glorify God and our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. That is when we come together after encouraging one another, we are unified so that we can lift up the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords with one voice, 
that we have the same mind, the same heart, the same spirit, that we are lifting him up. We are giving him glory and giving him honor. Accept one another. Then, just as Christ has accepted you in order to bring praise to God. He gave us his word to encourage. And encouraging others produces unity, which then creates an atmosphere for us to worship and exalt him in. Amen? Amen. Just a second. After the assassination of Abraham Lincoln, they were going through his belongings. And among his watch and some other things, they found this little wadded up piece of paper. And they began to unravel it. And it was a newspaper clipping with the headlines that read, Abraham Lincoln is one of the greatest statesmen of our time. Abraham Lincoln. Even Abraham Lincoln would get discouraged. And he, I can imagine him reaching into that pocket and feeling that little wadded up piece of paper. And by that time, he had memorized what that paper said. But he might have to pull it out. And he'd look at it. And it would say, Abraham Lincoln. One of the greatest statesmen of our time. And he'd put it back together. And he might put it back in his coat pocket. He needed that little word of encouragement. Sometimes, ladies and gentlemen, we have to be like David. We have to encourage ourselves. We can't just count on everybody else encouraging us. Because it's important that we do that. But we also, ourselves, have to encourage ourselves in the Lord. Sometimes we have to be like that little frog that's in that pit. That keeps jumping and jumping. You know what he was doing? He was encouraging himself. He's like, I can do this. I can get out of this pit. This isn't over. This isn't the end. I'm not all done. And he, you have to block out that negativity. Block that out and say, you know what? I don't hear that. That's just my enemies cheering me on. Amen. That's just cheering me on, getting me out of this pit. I'm so thankful that we have the word of God as our tool, as our guide for encouragement. Would you stand with me this morning? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your word. We're all called to be a Barnabas. And every Paul and every Mark needs a Barnabas. I need you. I need you. Some may be called to be a Paul. Some may be called to be the next Silas or even the next Mark. But we are all called to be a Barnabas. We need you, Barnabas. We need you, Mr. Encouragement. We need you working behind the scenes. We need you, Mr. Forgiveness. We need you, Sister Generosity. We need you with that testimony of forgiveness that testimony, that example of how to walk in truth and in spirit. I want to encourage you that when you're discipling, you're encouraging. You may be discipling the next person that goes on to change the world and that your words matter. Your encouragement matters. Each and every one of you have something to say that matters. You each have a testimony. You each have a point to a time in your life when God has touched you, healed you, changed you, blessed you. We all have something that we can encourage one another with. As you close your eyes and lift up your hands, I ask you today, God, touch us. Remind us, oh Lord, that you, oh God, in a critical time have encouraged us. I want you to think of someone that might have encouraged you. 
think of someone that might have taken the time to share a word with you. If you need encouragement today, I want you to know this altar is open, that we will pray with you. Sometimes you need to link arms with a brother or sister. If you need a a word of encouragement today, you can make your way to this altar and we will pray with you. We will join arms with you and we will lift you up in encouragement. We all need some kind of encouragement. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Ask God to help you to be a Barnabas today. Ask God to give you the boldness of Barnabas. Ask him to give you the boldness of encouragement in one another. If there's something that you need, ask God to place someone in your heart, in your mind, that might need encouragement. Ask him, oh God, place someone in my path. Put someone, oh God, in my heart. I love you, Jesus. I bless you, Lord. I bless your name, oh God. Give him praise. Ask him, God. Encourage me, Lord. Strengthen us, oh Lord. Thank you, God, for your word today. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to be with my brothers and sisters. Thank you, Jesus, for your love. Thank you for your mercy.